0: Today's sponsor for TFE is brought to you by Amazon's Audible.com service, who has more than 180,000 audiobooks and spoken word audio products. Get a free audiobook of your choice at www.audibletrial.com slash TFE radio. Welcome everybody back to TFU Radio Wrestling, episode 4. For this week's episode, this is the WWE Survivor Series 2020, full results and review. I'm your humble host and narrator, James Strength Navarro, and it is Sunday, 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 November 22nd 2020 this is the late edition of TFE Radio Wrestling as I said this is our fourth episode I'm your humble host and narrator James Strength Navarro and tonight we have apparently have said farewell to the legendary Undertaker the Undertaker says goodbye at the event in which he debuted 30 years to the date and here we are going to kick it off in full gear which was a pay-per-view that we had covered uh, a couple weeks ago, actually, from AEW. But we're going to kick it off in full blast. How do you like that? There we go. Better choice of words for this year's Survivor Series. We are going to get into it right now. I First of all, I'm just going to say I really thoroughly enjoyed this pay-per-view. I tried to catch as many of the major, bigger pay-per-views of WWE as possible. This is going to be my first review and results, results and review of WWE's pay-per-view. I believe this is the first pay-per-view I'm actually covering of WWE since I've started this show, since I've started this network. And this is quite the pay-per-view to start off the WWE Survivor Series 2020 delivered, in my opinion. But as I go through the results and I give you my review of everything, including the farewell of The Undertaker, I will give you my uh, my two cents here and there. So let's kick it off. So on the pre-show, we saw The Miz won uh, a 18-man dual-brand battle royal in 12 minutes, last eliminating Dominic Mysterio in a little bit of a sneaky way, sneaky, sneaky way, but... The Miz won, Mr. Money in the Bank himself. We then move on to the actual pay-per-view. Not much to say about the actual uh, Battle Royal there. But on the pay-per-view itself, in 19 minutes, 25 seconds, Team Raw, led by AJ Styles, Mr. I'm the Captain, and everyone else says he's not the captain with his luxurious hair. I always say that about AJ Styles. Keith Lee, Sheamus, Braun Strowman, and of course, He'll always be known to me as Matt Riddle, but Riddle defeated Team SmackDown, Kevin Owens, Jey Uso, King Corbin, Seth Rollins, and Otis. Of course, AJ Styles has that big monster almost in his corner. That guy's a giant. Holy smoke. Talk about a monster. That guy is a monster. The Dapper Monster. Let's call him that. I will call him that. The Dapper Monster. But I did thoroughly enjoy this opening match. AJ comes out, you know, they're playing up the whole idea that basically even though he may be, quote-unquote, the small, smallest guy in the entire team, he is the boss, he is the captain, and, you know, he's pointing to his, uh, his, his, uh, his vest with the C on it, with the captain and whatnot. But um, this match, man, I, I was really entertained. Uh, there was... Uh, A little bit of hit and miss with some of the moves between Otis and Keith Lee and uh, some of the other individuals that were involved with uh, mixing it up there, but I did like this match for the most part. It was pretty entertaining. Um, Of course, they took their time. They really did take their time with uh, with the entrances. Uh, They took their time introducing each and every person with their theme entrances and this, that, and the third. You know, it's on the network, so they could take their time. Also, it was on pay-per-view, but, you know, WWE calls their shots. That's why they have it on the network, and they have their own network so that they can go ahead and take as much time as humanly possible. Hence the reason why they have WrestleManias that are so long. Uh, They did take their time with the entrances, with the individuals coming out, uh, with everybody. I... It almost seemed like when they were introducing the Team Raw, it seemed like it was never-ending. I said, holy shit, how many people are actually on this team? You know, I I, I tried to keep up with the, the build-up of the pay-per-view for tonight as much as possible. But I was like, man, is there six people or seven people a part of this team? But no, it was literally five people, five-on-five five, traditional Survivor Series. And of course, as I said, Team Raw ended up defeating Team SmackDown. Uh, Jey Uso, uh, of course, they're playing up the storyline that uh, Paul Heyman and uh, his cousin, uh, Roman Reigns, Jey Uso's cousin, Roman Reigns, not Paul Heyman's cousin, Roman Reigns, that, um, you know, you got to be in control of your team and, you know, you got to be uh, the one that's, that's that's taking control of everything. Now, of course, there's a moment here uh, that was like okay, maybe I might have missed something. I wasn't too completely adverse at why this happened, but Seth Rollins decided to get on his knees and just talk shit to um, I who was it? Who who pinned him? Actually, it was um, I believe it was Riddle. Riddle had uh, had had uh, Matt Riddle had uh, given him the V trigger. Uh, right to the face i believe it was and just annihilated him i believe it was riddle i I might like there's so much notes here uh riddle just gave him the v-trigger pinned him and that was it and it was like okay so he sacrificed himself and basically that was the beginning of the end of of uh team rollins or excuse me team smackdown um You know, all the gentlemen there, all the people that were involved with this match, they really did work hard. You could see that they were all trying to hit some of their big moves and trying to keep the action going. Uh, You know, I like, of course, Let me just getting back to the actual ring entrances, Riddle. I like his entrance. I like when he gets into the ring and he jumps up and he flips off the flip-flops. That's always pretty cool. But anyhow, Riddle did have a very fine showing here. Uh, I was pretty impressed with his abilities in this match. You know, he was really giving an opportunity to showcase his his skill set and what he can do and get in there and, and do his thing. Strowman is in incredible shape. I mean, at one point when he tore off the raw shirt, I'm like, geez, he looks like he, he you know, he's got some shelf life on him. Of course, you know, my opinions of him, when it comes to his push and how they sort of did the start-stop with his push when he he was engaging with Brock Lesnar uh, not that long ago, I sh- felt that they at the time they should have put the universal title on him when he was in that program with Brock Lesnar and they were keeping it going for a few months instead they were just sort of I believe botching it. But anyhow, nonetheless, um, AJ of course you know he got in there he mixed it up. Uh, we also had of course. Uh, Kevin Owens who you know was basically stunnering everybody in the ring uh, we also had Otis of course he takes off his shirt at one point his his Smackdown shirt and of course you know he's always entertaining he's like the, oh yeah and all that and you know I love yeah the the Caterpillar the, the this v- modern day 2020 version of the Caterpillar you know shout out to Scotty Tuhati to um, he he is always entertaining. Of course, when he got it in there uh, with Keith Lee, and as I mentioned, they had some, but they had a few hit and misses with some of the moves, but, I mean, it was what it was. I mean, they did a pretty damn good job. Uh, King Corbin, uh, I, you know... What could you say about King Corbin? I mean, I re- I'm not the biggest fan of this gimmick. You know, yes, he's the king of the ring and all that, but I think they should have just kept him as like a legitimate badass because he pretty much is a legitimate badass. I Me mean, being a former street guy, I'll tell you that uh, you could see that. You know, he, he's got not only not only does he have some height on him, but he's got he's he's got that little bit of badassery on him. You know, it just they could have kept him that way, but you know, not everybody in the company can be a badass, right? I mean. You know let's face it the last big badass of the company is the man who you know basically said farewell tonight and that was the undertaker then again you could say give or take stone cold steve austin or you know uh you know triple h has always had that sort of badassery to him as well as kurt angle and so on and so forth anyhow uh the match ends where basically all of team raw survives and uh you know, if this was the old tradition as it was thirty years ago, where they where the Undertaker had debuted and they did the ultimate survival match, the ultimate team of survival, if they were to do that, this whole team would have moved in advance forward. But of course, you know that's a that's a uh, a a concept that they only kept for the first year, um, in the one year nineteen ninety, of course. Um, they also did. Then get into involved with some of the um, the uh, the other action that was going on after this particular match was over. Uh, we saw some things there with um, the I believe I can't remember actually at what point that they had the twenty four seven shenanigans. Yeah, I'm combining sh- <laughs> I'm combining shenanigans with fuckery and 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 whatever anyway i'm trying to say something else i'm not making any sense but it doesn't matter um of course they did cover that at some point during the night i don't believe it was after the first match it could have been but i i could be wrong speaking of the 30-year anniversary of the undertaker it was a 30-year anniversary of perhaps one of the worst gimmicks i've seen and one of the worst like letdowns but i mean i think Undertaker's um debut definitely made up for this but the gobbly gooker gooker or gooker or whatever like whatever the hell you call that name um of course we all know that was actually hector guerrero that was underneath uh the um the 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 costume years ago uh i think that was the only uh, uh appearance for the wwf at the time that he ever made but that was actually uh hector guerrero underneath the um um, the 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 gooker uh, costume. Uh, they showed during that some point during the night that he had become the um, the universe. Uh, excuse me, the universal champion. That would be the day. Um, he had become the twenty four seven champion, and uh, you know the exchange of the championship from him to truth to this one to that one is like okay, Akira Nozawa. Uh, Come on. Anyhow, um, so yeah, they covered that. Uh, The next match, I was really looking forward to. This was overall the third match of the night, but the second of the actual pay-per-view. I was thoroughly entertained by this match. And when I looked at the time, I was like, hmm, they had given them actually more time, but they didn't. Uh, It was a 13-minute, 40-second match. It was the Street Profits Angelo Dawkins and Montez Ford, uh, the SmackDown tag team champions, against the New Day, Kofi Kingston and Xavier Woods with Big E in their corner, who are the Raw tag team champions. It was champions versus champions tag team title. Uh, excuse me, it wasn't a tag team title match. It was a non-title match, but it was a uh, it was a very very well done promo. With the Street Profits and Angelo Dawkins and Montez Ford, they coming out, before you know, onto the set to do their promo. And I was really excited because I'm like, man, these guys are high energy. They are not Coco B wearing Owen Hart. No, 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 not, not, not that high energy, not that high energy. I mean, they were very high energy in the way they did, delivered their promo the uh the beatboxing and the rapping at first you know turn me up turn me up turn me up and to talk about the undertaker and this being 30 years you know de- debuting at this very historic event and uh you know just really just pumping you up for the night's nice happenings including of course directing their uh their promo as it should be with their matchup against the new day and of course, when they are done their promo, we had already seen uh, at some point we had seen the entrances, and it was like high energy again. The new day coming out with their um, their their video game attire, um, full. I think it's full. I can't, I'm not even going to pronounce what it was that they were promoting there with uh, their involvement. I think it was f- uh, full gear full of war, gears of war, or something. I. I can't remember, but I was just sort of like, see what? I'm mesmerized when I see certain things that don't look the same to me. So I tend to forget things, even though if I've got bullet point notes, n- notes, <laughs> I cannot speak bullet point notes, notes in front. <laughs> I do it again, bullet point notes in front of me. I sort of just get sort of like you know, lost in in the action, you know, and it's sometimes I got to remember, I got to show I got to do, if I'm going to cover this pay-per-view, and the one that I really wanted to cover, I, uh, I I tend to sort of forget what I'm thinking about, when I'm like, okay, I got to make a note of this, I got to make a note of that, whatever, whatever. Anyhow, you could see that when the Street Profits came out, uh, New Day were sort of just uh, moving along and, and dancing along with the uh, the entrance with the Street Profits, and as they get in there, I mean the energy was was high, fast paced, exciting. There was not a dull moment in this match. You know, it's it's good to see. Uh, you know the street profits just really getting that push and you know Montez Ford he is he is a star he's a major star in the making I mean like a single star in the making but I'll tell you something and I was like I'm like I'm I am not i am i do not even need to write this down this is just from the top of my head Angelo Dawkins does not get enough credit for being a real true talent he is he is charismatic in there as well and he can speak and he can Mix it up with the best of them. He is a pretty damn good worker, in my opinion. No word of a lie. Again, Montez Ford has star, superstar written all over him. Both gentlemen are superstars. But as single stars, because you know they eventually will break these, these guys up eventually, unfortunately. Hopefully they will have a run as long as the Usos and the New Day. But they are stars as individuals and as a tag team. They really can mix it up. And they can they could really go they could really really go and of course just the backtrack though as the part again once again with the uh, the promo before they had come out to the ring i like how during the promo you notice that around and i didn't really notice this before but you notice with montez ford he's got the um the the cup He's got the cup uh, chain, the cups chain around his neck, the red cup chains. I thought that was pretty cool. And, of course, when they come out, they have the cups falling from the ceiling. So that's cool. Um, And then we have the New Day, you know, of course, being one of the most dominant tag teams ever in the history of the company. They're the 10-time tag team champions. Um, You know, they could really go. Of course, I'm looking at Xavier Woods, and I'm like, man... He has come a long way, man. He's come a long way. Because I remember watching him in in, uh, in TNA, now known as Impact Wrestling, as Consequences Creed. And I'm like, he has come a long way. You know, and doing that whole um, Apollo Creed gimmick in TNA and just the great matches that he was a, a part of. And and here he is in the big time with WWE. And I, I'm always so proud to see him. I don't know him personally. But uh, I believe at some point years ago when I was trying to gather uh, contacts in the old MySpace days, uh, he was very... uh he was very friendly to me, and he was he was very accommodating. You know, as we exchanged contacts to do business eventually. But uh, it was just good to see him. You know, at the top of his game and having fun out there. And you know, New Day is always a pleasure to watch. You know, they're very exciting to watch, and um, you know, it's a good thing that they were able to bring these this this tag team back together. Anyhow, let's moving forward here. Uh, the Street Profits. Uh, they eventually get the big win over uh the new day with the uh the the top rope almost doomsday like slice cutter uh as as they call it i believe it's the slice cutter or um almost an inverted diamond cutter i would say but anyhow it was a great match it was great to see that the two tag teams did sort of the uh, ring of honor uh you know honor of respect you know uh shaking hands and you know embracing and you know raising each other's hands and this that and the third it was good to see that of course you know we now move on to other action and what was somewhat of a i would say a throwaway match but i mean you know seven minutes and 50 seconds it was champion versus champion singles match another non-title matchup it was bobby lashley The Raw's United States Champion with MVP Cedric Alexander, Cedric Alexander, and Shelton Benjamin uh, against uh, it was Lashley against Sami Zayn, SmackDown's Intercontinental Champion. Um, I've never said this yet. Uh, Sami Zayn, I don't get his gimmick very much. I do not understand. But again. Corey Graves is on commentary, so he is very much pushing the conspiracy. And, you know, uh, I guess Zayn is one of those sort of like woke type of characters where he just talks about society's ills and, you know, what's going on and, uh, um, you know, the hypocrisy that happens and the conspiracies against him and, you know, his fans and his people and the people around him. And so but <laughs> I, I remember somebody had said uh, when I've listened to some of my other uh, YouTube uh, uh, wrestling YouTuber podcasters. Um, you know, that he looks like an Uber driver. Uh, <laughs> I don't know about that. He looked like he looked a little bit more like he was um, like he, he he was really going to war. Like he was he, like he was like an army guy or something and in s- some kind of sense. I don't know if you kind of look at the look. But anyhow, that's besides the point. Um, he is entertaining though as hell. He is entertaining and at one point, you know, as he's mixing it up with Lashley in there, you know, Lashley's a beast. You know, I'm still waiting, like a lot of us are waiting for the eventual match between him and Brock Lesnar. But here we have Zane just doing the whole conspiracy thing. Graves is on commentary, he's pushing that whole conspiracy theory thing. And then at one point towards the end of the match, as Zayn is outside of the ring and he's at the rampway. He's by MVP, and MVP, you know, he's just standing there, (laughs) and Zayn, you know, he's just trying to push that these three other gentlemen that are at ringside, the Hurt Business, are distracting him, and why are they here? Because he started right from the beginning of the match, before he even began the bell rang, he's already going, what is this? He's telling the referees complain. he's like, there's four of them, I'm only facing one, and blah blah blah. He trips over MVP's foot, and he goes, "Ref, look! He tripped me! He tripped me!" <laughs> I could not stop laughing; it was so funny. And then, of course, the match ends with Lashley defeating Zayn by submission by putting the uh, the the uh, the full Nelson on Zane, And of course, he's trying to push the you know to the referee after the match is done after he gives up, that, you know, is a conspiracy. Graves was like, you know, yes, I saw it, because Zane is asking him, did you see it? Did you see it? I, You know, did you see what happened? I was tripped and everything, and he's telling the referee, the referee was like, no, you were not tripped, come on, knock it off, you know, but anyway, it was a fairly entertaining match for what it was worth, and then, um, you know, I'm going to just con- continue, I, I will just continue on through the matches, because if whatever has happened backstage, uh, you know, I'll cover at some point, I'll just sort of come back around and double up on some of the noteworthy things from the backstage area and then next we had another champion versus champion singles match this match was 13 minutes and 5 seconds Sasha Banks the boss Smackdown's women's champion against Asuka who is another beast in that ring Raw's women's champion Uh, this match was 13 minutes 5 seconds as I said Sasha Banks and Asuka had a nice exchange in there uh, I would say it was one of their better matches, in my opinion, that I've seen between the two of them. Like I said, Oscar's a beast, and Sasha, you know, she's at the top of her game. I mean, that time off that she had months ago, months ago, and she made her eventual return, you know, no such thing as ring rust with this young lady, man. She, she's got nothing but star written all over her. She is a star. And, of course, you know, I, I'm always just sort of paying attention to other things, and I don't always notice... Other things at the same time, so of course I'm noticing that, you know, her cousin Snoop Dogg is who, uh, you know, is is a uh, um, is the one that's done the the ring entrance for her. Anyhow, uh, to the match itself, Sasha and Asuka had a nice exchange of moves. Um, of course, there's there's the um, there's the one moment there where. Asuka's on the outside of the ring. And um, anyhow, as Asuka's outside, if you hear any noise, please forgive that. It's just a bunch of uh, noise and and just uh, fuckery going outside of the studio here. But anyhow, uh, Sasha, at one point, um, she is the one who uh, gets on the outside of the ring. She's outside and Asuka opens the ropes for her to come back in and then, uh, or excuse me, It was the reverse. It was Sasha opening the ropes for Asuka and Asuka just sort of just like slides back into the ring uh, underneath the ropes and then they continue to mix it up. So then at one point when Sasha is outside of the ring and Asuka is holding the ropes, uh, Sasha tries to like swipe at her, swipe at her at her leg or whatever and I thought (laughs) Sasha could have easily had just grabbed her by the foot. and That swipe could have just completely just tripped uh, Asuka. And (laughs) if that really had happened, you know that would have been just a mistake. But anyhow, um, so they did this little... So anyway, the point of bringing that all up is just because of the little joke there that I was thinking about when I saw that little moment there. Because again, I'm I'm noticing everything as much as possible. But... um, they did uh, have a really cool exchange with moves and everything that was going on between the two of them. They do have a good chemistry. they really do have a good chemistry. as I said, this is one of the better matches that they ever had that I've ever seen. Of course, they've been battling it out on Monday Night Raw or up a few Mondays ago or whatnot, and they've been uh, exchanging the uh, the title and whatnot. but um, it was it was good to see that you know they're giving Oscar some time. To again show what she can really do, Uh, you could give or take your opinions about this of how WWE's handled her since she's been on the main roster coming up from NXT. But the Empress of Tomorrow, she is. I, I immediately just looked at her and go, in the ring, I said, she is not just a beast, but she is a Hall of Famer. Immediately from the work that she's been able to do and from what I've seen from her before she even came into the company. I mean, she is a Hall of Famer, man. She's she's, going to go a long way. Um, As long as they continue to keep her at the top and book her with some other solid talent, she is going to be uh, legendary, beyond legend, as a woman, uh, female performer. And, of course, Sasha Banks. Of course, she will be as well. but, you know, just looking at Asuka, because I've always been a fan of, of of Japanese wrestling. I've always been a fan and a supporter of it. I've always been a fan and supporter of the strong style. And Asuka represents that to me. And she is a future Hall of Famer. But Sasha Banks did defeat. She went over on Asuka tonight. And uh, in a another exchange towards the end of pinfalls and... Sasha rolled up Asuka and got the win to 1-2-3 and of course that was the end of that match. Moving along, this match, speaking of the women division, the, um, this was a traditional 5-on-5 women's Survivor Series elimination match. They gave it 23 minutes and 20 seconds. And they showed you the backstory with Lana and how she's, you know, this whole bullying thing that um, uh, that Naya Jax is uh, is doing along with Shayna Baszler, uh, who's another beast in there, um, you know. I was just like looking at this going, I, I am not st- okay. Well, you know what? I'll get to that in a second. I, I don't wanna I don't wanna blow my load immediately with this uh, this particular point right now, but we'll get to the actual match. So it is team raw, Nia Jax, Shayna Baszler, Lana, Lacey Evans, and Peyton Royce against Team SmackDown, Bianca Belair, the EST, Ruby Riot, Liv Morgan of the Riot Squad, Bailey and Natalia. So I had a few points just just to comment here. Um, like I said, Shayna Baszler is a beast. Lana, I will get to that in a moment. Actually, Lacey Evans, she is she is a legitimate badass. She's got confirmed kills, you know, I believe in Iraq or something like that, and she's just she's a tough bitch. She is a tough bitch, and she's you know she's a nice look. She's a very She's an attractive woman as well. And, I, you know, I follow her on social media. I, f- I follow her on Instagram. And she has that throwback look, hence why, you know, her gimmick is sort of that, like, you know, that strong woman. And, you know, the woman's, right, the woman's right, which is her literally a double entendre, as you all know. Woman's right, you know, for women's rights. And then she's hitting you with the right, you know, as the knockout punch. You know, she she's got star written all over and i know she gets a lot of flack from a lot of people a lot of you 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 purists out there who like to see certain other females in there as 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 the the top star but lana uh i will get to in a moment but Lacey is a badass and i think she has longevity in this business and if they just were to let her just go like not like not per se from the company, I don't say I don't mean that. I mean let her go. Let her like really showcase what she can do in the ring. I don't feel like they've given her that opportunity yet, but she does have champion chip material written all over her. Long type of unbeatable reign. I think eventually as time goes on, you will then start to see her sort of shedding this current gimmick and becoming more of the ultimate badass with a bit of a little mixture, a little hybrid of you know of current gimmick and then what she could eventually evolve into because it's all about you know evolving your character evolving your gimmick and and really coming into your own and really going with something that sticks even more i mean look the undertaker is a perfect example of that speaking of the taker but Lacey has got star written all over her but who really stood out tonight and i'll say it straight up peyton royce really stood out tonight you know, the uh, the wife of Sean Spears from AEW, you know, she's. you could tell that she's definitely improved in that ring. She really put on a show, and I was really impressed with how she's come along. Her movements, her her psychology, just how she just really got down and dirty there, and she was like, you know, this pinfall and that pinfall, I was like, wow, she's, she's I go, if they start to really give her an opportunity, she could be a pretty, pretty big, Deal in that company even more, um, you know. Billy Kay, we'll, we'll see what happens with her. You know, she she gets the flack for not um, honing her craft enough, but uh, you know, she. I think she will improve eventually because I am. I'm a. I'm always going to be an optimist when it comes to this business, but I will give you the real. I will not sugarcoat anything because that's not my nature. Uh, Billy Kay does need improvement. Peyton Royce has improved, and tonight was no. Ex- like no exception she i mean excuse me she she really showed me a lot tonight and i was like man she continues to improve she will be one of the one of the one of the real good heavy good hands in that business of the wwe and the women's locker room of course um ruby riot and Liv morgan you know Liv morgan still looks like um they will say probably the same thing about Alexa Bliss, but Liv Morgan still reminds me very much of um, of uh, Carly Quinn. I don't know. I guess maybe that's kind of the look that she was going for and with the gimmick itself. But um, having said that, as I'm seeing here, some of my other notes, my notes, as I said earlier... Um, Every female in this match really got a chance to showcase what they were doing, what they could do. Um, There was a botch. I will have to get to it at some point. But I will just get to my point about Lana. Lana got in there, was mixing it up. Lana can go if she's given the opportunity, and the room for improvement, of course, is always there with any performer, right? Even some of the veterans that are out there still have to, you know, perfect their craft. When I, It's like with everything. If you stop learning and if you stop improving, then you cease to exist, that's what I say. Lana gets in there at one point, and then the bullying starts, and I was actually feeling a little bit cringe about this, but this is a good example of how well these performers you know, really make you believe, if you suspend your your disbelief, you know, Nia Jax is bullying Lana into going on to the steps, leading up to the ring, the ring steps, stand there and don't move. The rest of the team is telling her, don't move. Shayna Baszler screaming at her, don't move. And it was almost like Lana was about to come to tears. Now, this is where I was going to make this point that I've been trying to save now, and I'm going to get to it right now. Uh, I like the fact that they are doing this storyline, but when I watched how they were leading up to this and how Naya had put her through the table, was it nine times? I'm like, that's a little excessive. But, you know, Lana is literally paying her dues. Now, never mind the fact that her husband Miro is an aew and he left the company they let him go but he had done his best to do whatever he was given and tried to work with it while he was with the company but we've seen that before one person stays and then the other person goes the one person who stays gets punished we've seen that throughout the history of the of the wwf slash wwe we have seen that i was like i don't like this storyline of her being bullied but i was like you know what It's leading to something, and I was like, they better have a payoff for this. They better have a payoff. And the payoff came. At least for tonight it came. Because at one point, the EST herself was in there, mixing it up. Bianca Belair with Nia Jax on the outside. Now, I will get to the botch in a second. Actually, no, let's back up. Let's get to the botch first. The botch was with Natty Neidhart. Now, Natty is, you know, she is a veteran in that business. She's a veteran in the company. I don't think she's given enough chance to be champ. She was not given enough chance, I would believe. But she was going for something that looked like maybe a a crossbow. And it was with, I believe, um, I believe it was with... Uh, Who was it that she was trying to lock up there? She was trying to lock up. I believe it was. um, Who was it? Now I'm trying to look here. I think it was Peyton Royce. She was trying to lock up. And trying to do the crossbow. And then it didn't work out. And it literally, as soon as she went to lift her up, it came apart. And I was like, "Oh shit!" And then you know, you can see the frustration. So you know, you got to sort of quick cover, not quick cover as in pinfall. You got to do a quick recover, is what I'm trying to say. So Nadi gets up, stomps her one time, and then puts on the sharpshooter. I said, "You probably should have just gone for that in the first place instead of trying to do the crossbow, trying to look make it look fancy or whatever." You know, so she's basically you can see the frustration on her face that it sort of fell apart and you know you know that if there was there was a crowd there like an actual crowd you'd be like you know you fucked up you fucked up but you know natty thankfully had a a quick recovery from that little botch and i mean it wasn't a little botch it was a pretty big botch but i noticed it like a lot of us did and she recovered she started to take down everybody else with the sharpshooter and you know the action mixes it up whatever whatever and eventually um she gets blasted and she gets pinned, and Natty's out of there. Uh, what was shocking, though, to begin with this was that uh, Bailey had gotten beaten as well pretty early on, and I was like, "Oh wow, okay, all right, all right." So they're showing us something here, and I believe it was Peyton Royce who had beaten who had pinned her. Um, it, I, I believe it was Peyton Royce that had pinned her. Again, I'm, I'm mixing up my. Who did what right now? Because I'm trying to get to some of my points here. The last point I will make about this particular match was that there was the moment, as I said, that I was like, they have to pay pay off this whole storyline or or, or or have some kabumpets for Lana. And they did it tonight, and I'm glad they did it this way. Although I would have liked to see Lana in there a little bit more because um, I didn't want it to be so much of like a fluke that she... You know, well, I'll get to that moment in a second. But um, Bianca Belair and Naya are battling it out on the outside. The referee's counting. He's getting close to 10. I said, what's happening here? What's going to happen here? I said, but yeah, I'm looking. And the way that the camera angle was is that you could see that Lana was still on the steps. And we're like, you can't forget that she's still in this match. She was just made to be bullied to be on the steps. And here we have, we have uh, Nia... And we have um, Bianca that are battling it out, and the referee's hitting ten. She d- <laughs> est. Dr- <laughs> this is why she, they say that she's the est. She's the she's the strongest. She's the the fastest. She's the toughest. She dumps Naya over the barricade, and I thought she's gonna make it in before the ten count, and it'll be down to just you know Bel Air and um Lana no they went the other way with it and they both got double counted out and then he just made the announcement that by way of by way of the the double count out the sole survivor for for team raw was Lana And it was—you could hear the commentators. You could hear Michael Cole. You could hear Samoa Joe. You could hear uh, everyone—Corey Graves. You could hear them. uh, Whoever was on commentary. I think at some point they they switched and they had Byron Saxton that was on there. But anyhow. Uh, nonetheless you hear on commentary they're laughing and they're 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 happy because Lana is so ecstatic and she's jumping for joy and she's screaming at Naya, I am the sole survivor, I survived, and you know whatever. So it was cool to see that moment. So I would not have done that any differently, except for maybe really legitimately have her beat Bianca at the end there with a pinfall or a submission or something. I mean, most likely a pinfall, but I like the way that they did this, and Lana ended up being the sole survivor and being uh, the, the last woman standing in the ring celebrating, and I thought that was pretty cool. So anyhow, they, 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 they had a bit of a, a comeuppance come for Lana, who was not supposed to be storyline on the team, or not supposed to be tagged in or anything of that nature, but it was really good to see that Lana got her uh, her revenge, so to speak, over naya who just had a completely shocked and just disgusted look on her face. And then we get to the main event. Match number seven of the pay-per-view of the entire show, of the entire Survivor Series night. And it is the sixth show, the sixth, uh, yeah, I would say show because every match was a show. So far to this point, I'm really thoroughly enjoying and excited about watching this pay-per-view. You know, everything had me interested. There was, you know, very few mistakes being made and everybody really worked hard. And here we have the sixth match of the night on the pay-per-view itself. It was the main event. It was another champion versus champion singles match. And I'm like... I'll get to my thoughts about this in a second. Again, I don't want to blow my load immediately with this, but Roman Reigns, SmackDown's Universal Champion, with his special counsel, Paul Heyman. I am a Paul Heyman guy, by the way. I am. I admit it, I am a Paul Heyman guy. Against Drew McIntyre, RAW's WWE Champion. Now, they gave this match nearly 25 solid minutes, and they did not disappoint. This match was exciting from bell to bell. And that's what I like to see as an old-school wrestling fan and supporter. I like to see two gentlemen or two females, or even if it's at a tag team match or something of that nature, whatever. But especially at a singles match. As I scratch my nose. (laughs) Uh, I guess maybe somebody's thinking about me. Well, usually it's my... my, uh, when i sneeze the old folk tale is that when someone sneezes it means that someone's thinking you know when you sneeze it means that someone's thinking about you anyhow i scratch my nose so what it's podcast it's it's, you can't see if i'm doing it or not as long as i'm not digging for gold but anyhow that's another story for another (laughs) time not to say that i pick my nose i'm not a garbage pail kid here over here even though i love garbage pail kids um anyhow garbage pail kids reference yes I made it in there somewhere with the wrestling. I mean it's all pop culture, right? Anyhow, as I said, I'm an old school wrestling fan. Dating back from the 80s, which is when the garbage pill kids started. How do you like that? I tied it together. Oh shit. Anyway, I know you're all going like, get the fuck on with the fucking main event. Uh so Roman Reigns and Drew McIntyre, there was no interference with Paul Heyman at all. Paul was pretty stoic at ringside, which is what the commentators also noticed and commentated on, so to speak. Paul was holding the championship, and you could see that his facial expressions would change every so often with all the near falls, all the big moves that were being hit. And it. I just look at Roman Reigns, and I'm like, he looks incredible. He looks amazing. He looks like he is in his... He's hitting his stride. He is continuing to hit his stride. If he's already hit his stride, we are seeing someone who eventually will have and he already has to this point. I mean, you know, it's 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 arguable, but he's got Hall of Famer written all over him as well. He does have the look and you can see why the company goes with him. But this incarnation of his character and of his personality and the way that he moves and he performs in and out of the ring I prefer this Roman, like a lot of us do, I prefer this Roman compared to the Roman that was still looking like he was a part of the Shield, even though he was being pushed as a single star, the one that beat the Undertaker years ago, and we thought that was the Taker's last match. This Roman reigns with the sort of change in uh, appearance and the way that he looks, I'm like, you could see why the company pushes him. You could see why the company loves him. And you could see why people like myself respect him. You know, I was all with him when he went through the leukemia. The two times I was like, I support this man because I've had people who have passed away that were close to me from from cancer and and very few that actually beat it. You know, and we celebrate when those people actually beat it. But, but we still celebrate the lives of the people who are not around anymore who have lost their battle to cancer. I would never say that they lost their battle. I would just like to say in a more positive way that they, um, you know, they um, they just needed to rest from their battle with cancer. But Roman looks incredible. This version of his character is By far, right now, the best version of his character. The way that he has evolved. Having Heyman with him is a good look. And, uh, you know, because I don't get a chance to see. I try to catch Monday Night Raw, SmackDown as much as possible. But, I, you know, for the last little while, I have not been able. Which is why you don't see or hear me doing any kind of reviews of Raw or SmackDown. Again, we're only four weeks into this show so far. And, you know, we have a long life. Long longevity of this show and eventually I might get into a TV show or two from WWE that I might cover and do a review and give my opinions on but for the most part I will try to cover some of the bigger pay-per-views and give my thoughts and predictions even if I don't cover them I will try my best to because I always think if I'm going to cover something and give my opinions and give my predictions I would obviously you as the listener would be more happier that I go ahead and also give do like a review, results and review, much like I'm doing with this one, and then get into uh, you know my thoughts about that particular pay per view, so that you, at least you can you know can listen to uh, the goings on if you miss the pay per view by some chance, or you want to know immediately who won. So I'm doing my best to cover these bigger pay per views from WWE and some of the other companies as well, some of the bigger shows, bigger events. Um, You know, I try to do things a little bit differently with this show, but again, you know, I think I've explained myself to this point as, as enough as possible as to why you might not see or hear me talking too much about Raw or SmackDown, but as I've seen Roman tonight again and watching how he has been conducting himself and the way that he works in that ring it's not how it was before where they were it it seemed like they were almost cramming him down the throats of people even when he had come back I was like there's got to be a shift here with his character because you know, he had come back and it was great to see him back again. And, you know, things had been a little bit different with the way that his style was 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 uh was moving around in that ring and cutting the promos and this, that, and the third. And then eventually we saw this we're seeing the slow evolution of his character of his character, and we're seeing the Roman reigns that I think I would have always liked to have seen. And he is a heel. Now many people would probably say that they loved the way that he was when he was in NXT the very cocky the very you know get on the mic and tell everyone how amazing he is and you know that type of thing you know with his hair and a bun hair hair and a ponytail a ponytail bun whatever and sort of almost like the business like Roman Reigns I like this very cerebral very methodical very stoic very stalking like Roman Reigns is very take your time punish and 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 just like very almost almost criminal, but you know, like gentleman criminal, like in his, his his demeanor, very quiet, stoic, but tough, and can get it done in the ring. Because when we saw his previous incarnation, his first incarnation of his character, we seen him basically trying to hit the Superman punch and the spear every other move. Here in tonight's match, as they gave it some time between the two champions, because. You want to keep both men strong, of course, because they're both the world champions in the company. They're at the top of their brands, as, as was mentioned on commentary. Roman, this he's got Hall of Famer written all over him. Same with Drew McIntyre. If you look at how Drew McIntyre looked years ago, not the Drew McIntyre we see of today, you would probably would have, hopefully, you had at that point, if you had any real foresight, say, I want to see the the evolve of his character of his look the drew mcintyre of today that we see the one that just you know just had everybody on their feet at the beginning of this year and at the royal rumble when he took up brock lesnar and he ended up winning the rumble and you know the, the thousands and thousands of people that were there that night in the stadium when he won the rumble at the alamo dome um i believe it was the alamo dome yeah um Forgive me if I don't remember. Again, that January seems like it was such a long time ago now. And we're talking about this January, like this year's January. But that Drew McIntyre, you could see, was coming into his own and was becoming the fan favorite. We needed to see somebody new. And we here we have Drew McIntyre. Drew McIntyre has become the poster boy world champion of the WWE during the COVID era. And this is what we're calling it, the COVID era. And drew that title needs to be to be left on him when the, the when the fans come back when you the fans when the supporters such as myself come back to the arenas eventually and we get back into having full capacity crowds you know rocking just loving the matches loving the atmosphere loving the company around us loving everything loving the the concession stands the the, you know the the merch stands the merch tables whatever you go out there and we we have a good time again drew mcintyre needs to be the champ up until that point or at least at least afterwards so we could really know how successful as a champion he can really be because he's been successful to this point, yes. But when the fans come back, we could see that momentum carrying from January and what they've been trying to carry throughout the entire year so far with Drew on top and of course, you know, him winning the world championship back from um, from Randy Orton. You know, we got to see him on top still. Same thing with Roman Reigns and his current... current um, incarnation of his character we got to see the roman reigns with the crowd around him to feed off that crowd as the heel and the wwe did not miss with putting these two gentlemen at the top of their card because they put on a show tonight the two of them can really go and roman really showed how he can really get it in there as a actual performer as an actual wrestler you know and some his 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 shots to the face and get your mind out the gutter his shots to the face when he was he was just you know doing the um the uppercut sort of the uppercut punch I'll call it to Drew oh man it sounded like you know a gunshot going off like it sounded like a gun and just the two of them like with their exchange and just you know that they, they were almost working like a technical type of match in a sense as well and just the near falls and the 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 visionary fall that we saw towards the end, you know, when the referee got knocked out and then um, Jey Uso came to then assist his cousin, I had hoped that they... I mean, I get it why storyline-wise they wanted to keep, you know, the Uso and his cousin storyline going. Because, you know, what we had saw earlier on in the night where uh, Roman had come out of his locker room with Paul Heyman standing there and he was talking to Jay and uh, Jimmy was standing there and he dismissed Jimmy and uh, you know Jimmy takes off and Jay stays and then he gives him the what for I get it they wanted to keep that going but I would have liked to have seen a clean cut finish between Roman and Drew but as I was watching the match as I'm getting towards the end of this particular review as I'm watching the match I'm like this is Wrestlemania main event all over it i would not mind seeing immediately when i saw this these two gentlemen just really getting it on in there in that ring and just i can't get your mind out of the gutter (laughs) when i saw the two of them mixing it up in there i said these two can go and they have a really good chemistry really good chemistry and the more that they get in the ring with each other the better it will be you know wrestlemania coming up this year I'd be damned if these two are not in the main event facing each other. Even if it's a champion versus champion match with the stakes high and no interference from anybody, there's your WrestleMania main event right there. And I know it's been rumored somewhere I had seen, uh, I can't remember, I think it was WrestleTalk and maybe had it, it put out the rumor or maybe it was some other um, uh, wrestling media outlet. But I really think that these two should be in the ring at the main event of Wrestlemania Um, if it's not a women's match it should be these two gentlemen and uh, you know give or take it was probably supposed to be these two at this past Wrestlemania but again uh, what we know uh, did not come to pass as we uh, we would imagine it was going to but Drew and Roman uh, they put on a show thoroughly entertained the near falls of course i had mentioned there was the moment where the um the claymore kick had come and roman got knocked in the face and immediately as he gets knocked down his his positioning was pretty pretty damn good because as soon as his positioning had taken its form for that split second as you see He's about to go down because he got the claymore. He goes down at the same time, taking the referee down. That's great timing, great timing. And he takes the referee out. And we saw that we sort of saw the visionary fall there with Drew, you know, sort of reaching over to um, to Roman. And then there's no referee. And then eventually we saw uh, the outcome. Roman basically mounts uh, Drew for the uh, the chokeout the front face lock choke out and puts him out and that was the best way drew did not give up so that was the best way to have the end of this match and the end of this wild amazing and very entertaining main event and i'm with i believe it was michael cole who would said that usually that you know a lot of the times main events uh it's very rare that main events i'm paraphrasing but i think this is exactly what he actually did say so i may not be paraphrasing but he said Oftentimes, uh, there's times where a main event, again there I'm paraphrasing, I'm just gonna paraphrase uh, just in the interest of time here. Is that there's um, there are moments where main events don't uh, sometimes don't deliver, but this main event definitely did deliver and it did. it really did deliver. Again, I'm paraphrasing what he said, but it really did deliver. And I was really thoroughly entertained. This was one of the better main events I've seen in the company um, in the company's pay-per-view history in some time. Um, I was not disappointed with the outcome. I understood why they had to keep that sort of going, but they kept both men strong, I think, definitely. And of course, at the end there, we see Jay uh, clapping and saluting and and uh celebrating so to speak with his cousin who slowly is stalking him as he comes up the ramp with Heyman at at his side holding the championship uh roman is over there uh he gets up the steps gets up the, the stage excuse me the rampway and the two embrace and you see the disappointed look on drew but this is not the end of this uh this, this this classic match that I saw tonight, I think it was a good, 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 you know, classic match between two big guys who can get in there and really showed what they can do. And they gave them enough time. Um, you know, they literally gave them like 24 minutes, 50 seconds, 10 seconds more. Just, just call it what it is. It was a 25 minute classic, in my opinion. One of the better matches that I've seen in the company uh, uh, for the last little while. Uh, And I'm looking forward to seeing a rematch between these two gentlemen and these two stars. And then, this was it. For Whom the Bell Tolls, this was the farewell of the legendary Undertaker. As we cut to the commercial package, at some point, um, we, we actually have the announcement of who was in attendance to pay homage to The Undertaker and his career and his farewell. So it was a who's who. It wasn't everybody. There's was a few names that were missing from this list. But I think it might have had to do something with whoever lives closest to Florida or who lives in Florida. So uh, in no particular order, we had, well, first and foremost, I can't forget this. Shane McMahon came out first, then The Big Show, then we had, um, again, in no order here, we had Jeff Hardy come out with the face paint with the Undertaker logo on his face. We had uh, everyone from BSK come out. Uh, the Bone Street crew came out with the exception, of course, even though they did mention, Michael Cole did mention Yokozuna. May he rest in peace. who was a part of BSK, the Undertaker's crew backstage, and you know his, his crew of best friends. They were all there. Uh, Godfather showed up came out, Savio Vega came out, the Godwins, Phineas Godwin and Henry Godwin came out, Uh, Triple H had come out, Booker T, JBL, uh, Mick Foley, Uh, who else, Um, Shawn Michaels of course, Ric Flair was the last one to come on I believe, and then uh, give or take, um, who else was there, Um, I think that was pretty much it. Oh, Rikishi had come out, uh, who was also part of Bo- uh, Bone Street Crew. So everyone from BSK had come out, and they did actually mention on the um, on the, uh, the this, this particular moment here that uh, you know this was the BSK crew, the Bone Street Crew, and that they had uh, apparently had been doing some partying the night before with Taker, which if you had seen some of the pictures, um, you know, and some of the things that are leading up to tonight's uh, event. Uh, it looks like that they did have a good time, and then of course uh, we cut to. Oh, Kevin Nash was another individual who was there as well. Came out, and of course Corey Graves uh, eventually did the um, the uh, the sort of check. Uh, they they said we we have to do the Google search, and I was screaming at Corey, going, "It was WrestleMania twelve him and Diesel, aka Kevin Nash, just before Kevin had left for WCW and and uh, the NWA f- uh, NWO formed later on. Uh, not long after that, a month or two later, after WrestleManias twelve and ninety six, uh, Kevin Nash was there. So uh, you had the Click, you had the BSK, and you had uh, Ric Flair. You had a few other uh, notables, of course, as I already mentioned, JBL, Booker T, so on and so forth, and then. We cut to the uh, the package, the video package, very well done for The Taker, uh, for The Undertaker and his final farewell. And he started it right from the beginning when we heard the gong for the first time when Ted DiBiase announced, you know, from Death Valley, The Undertaker. And here we have, you know, right from the moment that he walked out and the historic career that would then lead, led. lead. Uh, the Undertaker to this moment, thirty years later, all the highlights, all the WrestleMania moments—they um, got to um, as much as possible through the thirty years. I mean, you're you're trying to do a, f- you know, a couple of minutes of a video to cover a thirty-year career. Um, I know they get a lot of flack for doing things like that, where it's a short video to cover uh, a professional, a professional wrestler's career. Uh, that had a long long career a long shelf life when they're doing the hall of fame and it's like it seems almost rush rush but uh, especially if the performer did not actually have a long career in the WWE slash WWF you know usually they will do a longer video package for someone who has you know basically been a mainstay in the company of the WWE but um, they did the best job that they could uh, you know Given the circumstances, and of course, you know, time, uh, you know, was drawing near for what was approaching about a three-hour pay-per-view already. But again, I'm glad that they still gave Taker enough respect, obviously, and enough time to have his moment. Now, the ring clears out by the time we come back from the video package and we see Vince McMahon. Seventy, I believe he's seventy-five years old now. Vince, you know he looks like he's old, but I mean he's seventy-five, and you know the wear and tear of the business, being on top as the the, the head honcho of the most successful wrestling company of all time. I mean, what can you what, what can you say? What can you do? Yes, he looks old. It's because he is old. What do you expect him to look like right now? But I mean, you know, it is what it is. Vince gave his speech uh wasn't too long about you know everything must come to an end nothing lasts forever but i think they're wrong in that but you know the undertaker will always be eternal and that is damn straight i believe that a hundred percent um you know give or take what your opinions are about uh vince mcmahon um you know he does know how to uh you know put his words um in the best way possible to describe something, and you could tell he was getting emotional. And this was it as he goes, this, uh, you know, with his over the top, you know, almost P.T. Barnum type of voice, you know, and I give you the Undertaker and the gong. And then we then have these sort of almost, um, it seemed like to me almost like a video game version of the Undertaker's music at first, like there's almost, um, Uh, synthesizer type of version and then they hit the actual gong again and then it was the the actual music of the undertaker and him coming out and then when he got to the steps uh, of the ring then the steps sort of elevate him and so he's a little bit higher up than usual when he would make that usual entrance by the ring post there the ring corner and then of course the lights uh, sort of come up a bit enough so that taker can get in the ring and then he gave his little small speech. Uh, it wasn't very long. And then, of course, um, as he had spoke about, you know, his time for him to rest in peace. Uh, as we're getting closer to the end of the pay-per-view and getting close to the end of his farewell. The um, the lights sort of go back down a little bit more. And a very cool visual, almost... Um, emotional visual is the one that uh where Paul Bearer and his sort of like hologram his his visual is right there with the urn as Taker has already gotten on his one knee to salute his friend and um the individual that was running neck and neck with him as this 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 package deal and uh you know may he rest in peace Percy Pringle Uh, no longer with us, who played Paul Bearer. It was a nice, beautiful little tribute to his friend and his his close confidant and colleague. And then, of course, Taker uh, literally took his final bow. And then there was no retribution coming out. There was no attacks. There was no nothing like that. No fuckery. No storylines being built up. No fiend Bray Wyatt. There was none of that happening. It was a straightaway legitimate, seemingly legitimate, farewell. And I say seemingly because I am not convinced still. Even though there was no attacks and no build-up for another pay-per-view or another big match or something leading to WrestleMania, this was it. This was it. This was, it. This was Taker's final bow. And he did take his uh, final bow in the ring. And as he left the ring, he went up the ramp. And then he, he did his what has come to be known as... One of his more signature poses now, Um, you know, he he put the fist up in the air as he had his back turned and then we had the lights and the flashing and the smoke and everything and Taker disappears and the pay-per-view goes off the air. And that was it. The Undertaker has taken his final bow again, seemingly, and has said goodbye to the WWE and the WWE Universe and the pay-per-view goes off the air and of course throughout the night they were uh teasing that they were going to have after survivor series goes off the air on the network the broken skull sessions session two with the man of the hour the undertaker talking about in part two of his interview with stone cold uh, some of the stories over the last 30 years being in the same company on top and It was a wonderful pay-per-view. Of course, it ended a little bit sad because of Taker uh, saying his final farewell. But overall, I would give this pay-per-view a thumbs up. No thumbs in the middle, no thumbs down. It was a thumbs up all the way. Everybody worked really hard and everybody really put on a real entertaining show. This is one of the better pay-per-views from the WWE's offerings that I have seen in a long time. The main event definitely delivered the farewell of Taker was emotional and it was really cool to see him taking his final bow and them not giving any uh, any sort of rub to anybody else at the moment because if this was legitimately his final run you know his final uh, farewell then you did it the right way by just giving him his moment you know Um, I really don't have any very big criticisms of this pay-per-view like I said some of the chemistry in there wasn't it wasn't totally on par but it was pretty damn close to it. And uh, the action was non-stop. There was not one bad match. You know, the Lana thing, I like the payoff there. Peyton Royce really showed something to me tonight. Um, you know, Asuka is still a beast in that ring. You know, she will get her comeuppance eventually with Sasha Banks. You know, Sasha is just... She's just a workhorse in that ring. Um, you know, the shocking... Uh, sort of pinfall of Bailey earlier on in that women's five-on-five uh, five. Um, you know the Drew McIntyre uh, keeping him strong the Roman Reigns with the Jimmy uh, the Jey Uso storyline keeping that going and that match hopefully will be the main event at WrestleMania this coming year um, uh, the of course the 24-7 stuff they kept that going I, you know, I'm not a big fan of it, I'll be honest with you. But I mean, it was good to see for the 45th time, Our truth is the WWE 24-7 champ. Uh, the Gooker got in there too, you know, 30 years later. Of course, it wasn't Hector Guerrero underneath that uh, costume. Um, yeah, it was a thumbs-up pay-per-view. Um, I highly suggest ch- checking out the replay. Uh, check them out. WWE really did put on a really good one and this is going to be the last pay-per-view in the Amway Center as they are going to be moving to um uh they were going to be moving to Tropicana Field excuse me let me just confirm this here for a second because I just saw something here uh yeah this will be the um WWE's final pay-per-view presented from the Amway Center during this COVID error, um, they will rem- they will remove all their stuff obviously from there and relocate uh, further down the line there, uh, including the Thunderdome to Tropicana Field, um, you know, uh, in Saint Petersburg, Florida. Uh, so, and they're moving because of the, the start of the, uh, the NBA season, which is going to be the 2020-2021 season for the NBA. Uh, so yeah, this is the 34th Survivor Series. This is the 30th anniversary of The Undertaker. And will he ever return again? Who knows? But this is your full results and review of the WWE Survivor Series 2020. Farewell of The Undertaker or is it? We'll be back after these messages. A word from our sponsor. Amazon's Audible service is offering our listeners a free audiobook of your choice and a free 30-day trial membership. Just go to www.audibletrial.com slash radio and choose from over 180,000 audio programs. Download a title free and start listening. It's that easy. Go to www.audibletrial.com slash radio. That's www.audibletrial.com slash radio and get started today. Welcome back everybody to TFE Radio Wrestling. I'm your humble host and narrator James Strength Navarro. This is our second segment. We just finished covering in full extensive detail the WWE putting on their 34th annual Survivor Series. WWE Survivor Series 2020. Farewell to The Undertaker and his 30 year anniversary celebration. And now we're gonna get into a few uh, noteworthy things that have happened in the business. Uh, we're actually not done with The Undertaker just yet. As in our third and final segment, I have a little something for you that I would like to cover. Uh, but getting to back to this uh, segment here, segment two. Uh, Number one, I want to say thank you to everybody who has continued to listen to us after our review, has listened to us throughout the last four weeks that we have been in business with this particular show and this podcast network. Thank you very much to all of you who have donated, those of you who have joined me on social media. Nothing but positive feedback. It's only onwards and upwards. Um, As I did mention earlier, uh, Drew McIntyre had recaptured the WWE uh, Championship, the WWE World Heavyweight Championship, uh, going into tonight's Survivor Series against Roman Reigns. Um, Roman um, has been champion, but Drew regained the, t- the, uh, the title defeating Randy Orton this past Monday on a very entertaining match with uh, Randy Orton on Monday Night Raw this past Monday. Uh, Something else that had happened that was noteworthy was that on AEW Dynamite, Will Hobbs, who I'm very high on, and you could see that AEW is high on him as well. Will Hobbs, big Will Hobbs, joined Team Taz, led by Taz, uh, turning heel on Cody Rhodes. Seems that Cody is the target of anyone who turns heel or debuts in this company cody is the guy that they go after it feels very much like how they used to do funny enough with his father dusty Rhodes, way back when in the nwa days when you would want to get over quickly you would attack them the the main guy in the company and here we have it with cody being the object of everyone's hate in debuting again storyline wise or anyone who's turning heel so Those were the couple of noteworthy things. And then we get to Selena Vega. On November 30th, WWE had announced that they had released Selena Vega, aka Thea Trinidad. She has a very cool last name because that is the motherland. And you know, shout out to TFE Radio Trinidad where we talk all things Trinidad and Tobago. Cannot forget Tobago. But... uh, WWE had released um, Trinidad. Funny. (laughs) Very funny. Very funny. Um, You can't release Trinidad, motherfucker. No, they released Selena Vega from her contract uh, that same day on November 13th. This was now, what, about uh, nine days ago. So I wanted to get to this finally. It's been about a week or so since we last talked here on TFU Radio Wrestling. Uh, They released her the same day that Trinidad had tweeted her support for a union, uh, for having a unionization in professional wrestling, which has been the talk and the backdrop of uh, the chitter-chatter in the business for the longest time, for decades on decades on end, dating back to the last prominent or the biggest prominent start of that unionization talk. Back in the 80s when Sergeant Slaughter tried to bring it together and Jesse Ventura, uh, who also sort of brought it up in the 90s. Um, she had tweeted her support of the unionization in professional wrestling. Uh, it was later reported that the release was due to Trinidad's opposition to WWE. "Quote requiring talents to acquiesce control," unquote, of their accounts on third-party platforms such as OnlyFans, Twitch, YouTube, so on and so forth. Of course, you know Page had come out and had voiced her opinions about that about that um, uh, edict that came down from Vince McMahon and the WWE, and how it takes away any kind of uh, joy, uh, extra income, um, or any creativity. Away from the performers Uh, it's unfortunate because uh, Selena had a very big role on Monday Night Raw of course she was uh, managing uh, Andrade Cianalmus or they just now know him as Andrade Um, you know uh, she was leading her stable and now here she is now on the outside of the company now she has then since taken to her I believe it was her twitch account where she was upset saying that it was the worst day of her life that she was released from a company that she had always wanted to work for since she was a baby girl Um, and you know so so, excuse me since she was a little girl Um, and you know she's she's going to make a comeback she's going to be I think she will be all right Uh, I don't think that they're going to bring her back much in the way that they did with Drake Maverick, you know, with when he had his emotional breakdown on social media, not long after he was let go along with the audio, the other what was it 30 or 40 talents that was released back on April 22nd of this year, uh, shortly after the pandemic had really hit. And I don't think they're going to bring her back right now. It could be one of those moments where right now that she may have to prove herself elsewhere and then come back if they do want her to come back but she was at the top of her game when she was managing her little her, her her um you know her little time on raw became a big time on raw because she was managing her big stable on raw uh since then they've sort of like disbanded the group somewhat and you know she's no longer there in the company um hopefully they will bring her back and see that she is a great talent that she is of course you know uh, the first time that i saw her like many of us saw her was with tna wrestling now known as impact wrestling and she was pretty damn good over there as well a part of lax and uh, other things that she was doing there a part of the knockouts division um you know so as we know she is with um Alistair Black, who is a another individual that they have seemingly uh, let fallen by the wayside. I think they have wasted him and his request to come back to the NXT brand, which is where he really flourished and ultimately becoming the NXT champ, uh, has been denied. Again, I had made mention of this earlier with Lana when I had talked about during the Survivor Series results and review uh, about Lana's uh, role in the company, almost like I would hope that they're not trying to punish her like they seem to do with couples or tag teams or, you know, people who are friends behind the behind the scenes. Uh, Because, you know, in the case of Lana, Miro walked out of the company or was let go, so to speak, uh, during that uh, April 22nd release of Uh, multiple talents, as I had mentioned with Drake Maverick. Uh, I would hope that they're not trying to punish Alistair Black, but it's seemingly from the reports is that, um, you know, Vince has sort of forgotten that Alistair is there and doesn't really know what to do with him. Now, the thing is, he had the cool music. He had the cool gimmick. Of course, Vince adds his little touch with the creak of the coffin when he opens uh, up the coffin, and he comes out, you know, the standing coffin. And then, you know, Aleister Black is an incredible talent. He can go. He is a worker's worker in that ring. You know, he could do the high flying, he could do the submission. He's, he's like a hybrid, you know what I mean? He reminds me of. He reminds me of a cross between The Undertaker and CM Punk, you know, um, but they really just sort of dropped the ball on him. And so, Vega is, uh, excuse me, Trinidad, uh, Thea Trinidad, uh, aka Selena Vega, is in fact, you know, with, um, in a couple, in a relationship with Alistair. So, I would hope that they're not going to try to punish him in any kind of way because of her beliefs or vice versa because, you know, if he ends up getting released or he ends up, you know, getting a push again with the company, uh, you know, will she ever have the chance to come back and then they will then punish her somehow because it's happened. Let's face it, it's become an open secret that, the wwe is very petty sometimes when it comes to uh these sort of things when it comes to union talk or you know you getting yourself over on your own without their help and with the use of social media which is kind of why they wanted to shut down these people's you know twitch accounts youtube accounts and all that other stuff or have control of it uh vega voiced her opinion now it's not known if it was literally minutes after she had voiced the opinion of like we you know i support a union or if it was for something else but again like the report states is that because of the uh the company requiring talents to give up control of their third-party platforms to the company this is a story and a topic that goes Way, way back, as I mentioned, with Slaughter, Ventura, and anyone else who has ever talked about unions. Raven, or anybody else who tried to file that lawsuit that ultimately was dismissed and didn't go anywhere. Demolition Acts was a part of that as well. Which is, you know, rumored to be the reason why a demolition has not been uh, inducted into the Hall of Fame. Uh, Excuse me, one second. Pardon me, sorry about that. Um, The... It is then known that um, if there is going to be any uh, backlash when it comes to unions, usually this is sort of the result of what happens. The company does not look well, does not look down on, well excuse me, the company looks down on anyone who wants to form a union. It has always been said, especially in the last little while with that lawsuit that I just mentioned a moment ago, that uh, you're basically looking at the chances of your career being over. If it's not already over in-ring or having anything to do with the business, you will be blackballed. Um, In the case of demolition, uh, Smash, Axe and Smash are not in the Hall of Fame yet, uh, much to the to do with the idea that Axe was a part of that lawsuit. Um, you know, The mass Superstar, uh, Bill Eady, uh, Raven, um, I believe it was um, Mike Sanders, I believe. There was a number of individuals that had come out and wanted to, to, to the voice their opinions and be a part of this, this lawsuit. Uh, Billy Graham, Superstar Billy Graham, was another one who voiced opinions about there being a union or a lack thereof. There is no union in professional wrestling. Again, the talk of that ever happening would have to be some big star in the company, like a Roman Reigns, a John Cena, an Undertaker, or somebody, coming about during the main event of WrestleMania and saying, we're not going out there until you give us our rights and you stop referring to us as independent contractors, but treating us like we're exclusive performers for the company. It's a very complicated situation. It is not something that is look, looked upon you know, very highly, especially with professional wrestling promoters and um, you know, management. It is unfortunate that uh, the two are being tied together with Vega's release from the company that because she voiced her opinions with unionization and then you can almost see and almost feel that she was being released because she supports unions which again the company does not look highly on then it's being known that because of them taking control you know of people's third party platforms including her own she has a youtube channel with uh i think it's a youtube and a twitch channel with uh for herself and also with um uh, with Alistair Black, uh, she does. Um, she has an OnlyFans account in which she charges up to, I think, a thousand dollars, up to a grand or so, for uh, pictures of her in cosplay outfits and things of that na- that nature. And I do understand the um, the beef that a lot of these performers would have with WWE trying to control their outside extracurricular activities and them getting their extra money or whatnot. If you're not on TV, you need to keep your name out there somehow. And if you have used the WWE's platform, their television time, and you have done the job that they want you to do while getting yourself over at the same time. You want to keep yourself over because if you're not on TV and they've got nothing for you, you're facing what a lot of the people who faced in, in April faced, and that was being released because creative had nothing for you, or you know, you, um, your services are no longer uh, needed. Uh, thank you for your time, thank you for your tenure, we're releasing you, thank you for your services rendered, here's your pay, you know, here's your package, here's your whatever we can give you, your benefits and whatnot. Um, I do understand why the performer would be very upset by that. And then, of course, you know, from the company side of things, as I have my own businesses that I'm trying to launch and get off the ground, um, you know, from the company side of things... This need to try to control everything. I've never understood that. But again, they look at it like we have you exclusively signed to us. You need to go through us through everything. But they're also considered independent performers, which makes no sense. It's literally a contra- a, a conflict of interest. Do I support unionization in professional wrestling? Yes. I would say yes, because this business doesn't take care of its own. It is what it is. The WWE, once they sign you as a legend, you have a legends contract, you have appearances, you get a bit of money, and you basically also sign over your rights and likenesses to your character, your li- your your um, persona, and um, you could basically have profit sharing or some sort of royalty that you might get or royalties for anything that the company decides to do f- uh, in your likeness, action figures. um You know special airings of documentaries or DVDs you know or books or any type of merchandise or t-shirts or anything commemorative or memorabilia wise or collectible wise you know you sign over your rights or you know the company has the right when signing you to that legends contract to then give over a lot of your your percentage um, of what they will provide and give you it's an extra way to make money for themselves and uh, for you, the performer. Again, I'm just speaking abroad to everybody, just to sort of explain how this goes. If you've got nothing going for you, and you've got nothing going on, you know, you got to make money somehow. You got to. If you could still go in the ring, you know, much like a Kurt Angle. I mean, Kurt has been pretty banged up, but he looks like he can get in the ring, and I he made. I wouldn't be surprised if he does get in the ring again. But I mean, you have. These individuals who could still go and still want to go but then they're being in that category of wwe's realm of you are done you're finished we cannot clear you to be in the ring again you know much like a sting or somebody else you know you're finished we cannot have that risk on our head so we're putting you into this category we're putting you into the hall you know we're gonna do some things with you merchandise whatever whatever but for the most part the business does not take care of its own you know there was a um I, I reu, uh, a unionization, so sort to of speak, that was trying to be started by uh, Don Marie years ago. Um, I believe, I forgot what it was called. It was Wrestle something. Uh, Wrestle Union, I believe it was called. And it was them basically collecting money and putting it into a pot and try to help people like Sabu or, you know, somebody else who needed the help to, to take care of surgeries and um, um you know, to help with bills and medical bills and help with uh just everyday life, and then that sort of fell by the wayside so there's been very much more misses than there has been hits with this unionization talk, and it hasn't gone anywhere it hasn't happened um I do again see and understand the um, the the um the gripe of performers wanting to have a union but again you face the idea of being blackballed by the company being the wwe or even maybe some other companies they they are the forerunners right now of professional wrestling give or take aew and some of the other companies that are out there wwe is still considered the top company aew though I think they will eventually overtake WWE as they are slowly doing with some of the ratings on Wednesday night. I do believe that if a union is formed, then the business can then finally take care of some of the past, the present, and the future of the business. Again, it is a slippery slope. It it really, really is. You're damned if you do, and you're damned if you don't. There are pros and cons to it because a lot of people... In today's society, do not, do not support unions because it means a lot of different things. It, le- it means that creative control, it means control over what you, uh, your employer wants you to do as um, an employee. You can refuse to do it and then the job never gets done. Uh, I mean, there's all different types of unions as we know. Um, I've seen people who use unions again this is a con of unionization the con of a union is that yes you may get paid guaranteed but the the, the, the lack of effort and the quality of work and services rendered suffers because you coast it's like if you know that you're getting paid regardless if you do the job or not will you really put your best effort most people would say yes they would put their best effort because you're getting paid right because ultimately that's your reputation. are you a lazy worker or are you a quote-unquote union worker who does not do the job regardless of you know um, of what you want of them they're getting paid so they don't give a fuck So there's the cons of it you know what I'm saying So the idea of having a union in the business could mean a lot of bad things and could mean a lot of great things. The great side of it again the con the, the pros of it is that finally, there is, you know, there's that care, there's that backdrop for the star, for the athlete, for the performer, for the talent being taken care of. Finally, for there to be some sort of pension to go on you know, there there's some sort of um, there's some sort of nest egg there. Because a lot of these guys are not able, a lot of these guys and girls are not able to save their money because they have a certain lifestyle or they have a certain way of living, or they have they're responsible for people like you know their families, you know people they take care of, you know loved ones, whatever the case may be, you know, especially if you live in the states, there's no real health care system going on like how we have here in Ontario where we have uh, OHIP which covers basically every, most things under uh, OHIP. You know, it's paid for already. You know, we have health care here. In, in in the States, it's not so much a thing. I mean, they have Obamacare, which Trump tried to get rid of, you know, wrongfully. And then we have, you know, you, you basically have to pay for everything. So when the business is done with these stars and they are beat up to shit and then they have, you know, they have a little bit of money in the account or in the case of like the Iron Sheik or somebody who, you know, uh, fell in hard times at one point or another in their life there is nothing in way of a, of a nest egg to fall back on this is where the union will come in and will help them out and make sure that they're good and they're good until the day that the casket drops so to speak so, you know no pun intended you were talking about The Undertaker tonight but you know what I'm saying um, and it would probably I would say the con the the, the pro of it excuse me Is that it will actually help? You know, maybe the longevity of a lot of these stars, a lot of these individuals. You know, they can get that surgery that they need. They can get that that rehab and help that they need. Now WWE has their wellness policy, and for any performer that ever was a part of the company at some point, or even people I've heard are have never competed or never worked for the company. WWE still offers that help and still helps those individuals as they... I've, I've heard some some stories about them actually helping. Um, needless to say, that help being there, if there is a union, is very much needed. It could help with the shelf life with a lot of these individuals... You know, we probably would not have seen such a massive death rate in the wrestling business had there been a union. Who knows? We can't say now because there's been so many that have passed. Look, even this year, there's been quite a few people, prominent names that have passed away. You know, some well-known names and some not so well-known names. But the union could help to cover costs, funeral costs, you know, medical bills or... um, Living expenses, whatever the case may be, and the business could then take care of its own. Bret Hart once said that the wrestling business is like Hotel California—that song. You know, you could check in, but you can never check out, like the mafia. You could once you're once you're in it, you can never get out of it. You know, Bret Hart also had said at one point too that you know the business is like the circus or like a um, you know like the race horses like. You know, once you have outlived your usefulness to your boss, to your company, you know, they take you out back and they put a slug in your back of your head and they put you out to pasture for good. You're dead. You're done. You're finished. We probably would have seen a lot different business had there always been a union or had there been a union in the last 10, 15, 20 years or 25 years. Again, there would have not been so many scandals that have run rapid in the business as well. We probably would have seen a lot of um, squashing of those things or a lot of uh, tempering of certain things that we have seen throughout the the history of the professional wrestling industry inside and out. You know, we would have probably had seen maybe Bruiser Brody still being alive today. Who knows? But it's an interesting topic. And, uh, you know, Selena, uh, a.k.a. Thea Trinidad... Uh, you know, her support hopefully will not get her blackballed from WWE and uh, ultimately her man Alistair Black being punished. It is a very petty business. It can very, very much be a petty business. And here I want to get into it on a business level. And I'm doing it with this show right now to start. But I mean, I've, I've spoken to a number of uh, wrestlers, whether it be online or through phone call or email. It is a it, it is a very petty business. It can very much be a petty business, and WWE. And I'm, again, I'm pulling I'm pulling back the fourth wall on a business that is very openly known as being very petty, and a lot of things have happened. You know, um, but again, I'm not here to trash the company at the moment. I'm just saying that uh, a unionization could lead to a lot of bad things if you are a part of the WWE or if you were once with the WWE. You could be blackballed, but at the same time, you could be taken care of by the business in which these men and women have given their lives to. You know, they've given literally their bodies to and have wrecked their bodies. Who knows? Unionization talk is something that I will eventually get more into as time goes on. But anyhow, Selena Vega, I hope she lands on her feet again and we can see her back on television, whether it be for WWE or some other company. Uh, we'll see what happens, but, uh, good luck to her and good luck to anybody who tries to start a union at the moment. But again, union talk will be something that we'll eventually get back into as the show is, uh, exists right now through these airwaves and through the platforms that we're on. Uh, unionization, once again, I am for it, but again, there are a lot of pros and cons, uh, I'm all for taking care of the boys and girls a part of this business more than anything above and beyond. Uh, the petty backstabbing bullshit and, he, oh, he's union and whatever. If you're going to be a part of a union, you need to come with your best performance. Because that is the con of being a part of a union is that you tend to be a very lazy, spoiled person if you're a part of a union. So it's a very interesting talk that we could continue some other time. But... We will be back after these messages with our third and final segment a word from our sponsors this is tfv radio wrestling episode 4 this is the night that we say good night to the undertaker we'll be back after these messages why amazon's audible Amazon's Audible content includes more than 180,000 audio programs from the leading audiobook publishers, broadcasters, entertainers, magazine and newspaper publishers, and business information providers. Be sure to use our unique URL at www.audibletrial.com to get started today. i And we are back here for TFE Radio Wrestling, episode four, our third and final segment. I'm your humble host and narrator, James Strink Navarro, for this late edition of TFE Radio Wrestling, episode four, for Sunday, November 22nd, 2020. It is WWE Survivor Series 2020, 34th annual. It is the farewell of The Undertaker. This is the night, and I've already done the review and the results. But I told you I wasn't done with The Undertaker just yet, and I don't think we are done with The Undertaker just yet, as I had voiced my opinion about that during the review and results of the pay-per-view from tonight, including his farewell. I believe that the Taker is not, in fact, entirely done just yet, you know, as he says in the commercial for, uh, you know, the, for the documentaries about himself, is that, you know, every time he thinks that he's, he's out, he always gets pulled back in, but speaking of which i'm going to take you to our third and final segment in which you know what it is throwback match of the week and this involved the legendary undertaker who was one year into his tenure a part of the wwf at the time the world wrestling federation presented the Survivor series it was the fourth survivor series and the second that the undertaker was going to be a part of Now we go back to 87, 88, 89, 90, 91. Excuse me, it was the fifth Survivor Series and the second for The Undertaker. It was on a rare night. It was on Wednesday, November 27th, 1991. It was the 5th annual Survivor Series, as I mentioned. And it was produced by, of course, the World Wrestling Federation. And it took place on Thanksgiving Eve at the Joe Louis Arena in Detroit, Michigan. The attendance was 17,500. And it was the gravest challenge, which was what the main event was being dubbed as. The build-up for this saw the eventual main event for the WWF World Heavyweight Championship. Hulk Hogan on his fourth reign as the World Heavyweight Champion facing the one and only Excuse me, wait a minute. Actually, let's backtrack here a second. No, it was his he was on his third reign as champion. His third reign as the World Champion came when he defeated Sgt. Slaughter in that year's WrestleMania, in WrestleMania 7 in 91, March of 91. So, excuse me. Pardon me, pardon me, pardon me, pardon me. Hulk Hogan on his third reign which was his unprecedented third reign as WWF World Heavyweight Champion was defending the title against the challenger the Undertaker who was at that time I believe he was undefeated from what I un- from what I remember he was undefeated and he was led by Paul Bearer who I had mentioned earlier in the uh, Survivor Series 2020 uh, farewell to the Undertaker tribute Taker with Paul Bearer uh, had faced Hulk Hogan in what was deemed the gravest challenge. This was the first major high profile, uh, you know, face off or program between these two gentlemen. They would later have other programs that they would work together eventually, especially when Hulk Hogan had come back to the company in 2002 and Taker and Hogan had then traded the World Heavyweight Championship. At the time, the undisputed WWE World Heavyweight Championship, just after uh, the E or excuse me, the F had gotten out of the WWF and it was then known as the WWE and it's a new incarnation. That was 18 years ago in itself, but we're taking it back to 29 years ago where Hulk Hogan was defending his title and his third reign as champion In 12 minutes and 5 seconds, dropping in a uh, controversial fashion, dropping the World Heavyweight Championship uh, to The Undertaker, who began his first reign of many, eventual many, as the WWF World Heavyweight Champion. Now, this was also the first Survivor Series that The Undertaker would perform at, in which he would be in a singles match and it was the first Survivor Series main event this was one of the uh, rare uh, moments in Survivor Series history I believe it was the first time ever that the WWF World Heavyweight title was defended in a singles match against the Challenger uh, previous uh, excuse me previous Survivor Series it was uh, the traditional, which we saw tonight, the traditional five-on-five Survivor Series match. You know, the sole survivor at the end and, you know, whatnot. Again, this was the Survivor Series in which the World Championship was defended for the first time. In 87, 88, 89, and 90, the world title was held by the world champion who would be a captain or co-captain in previous years and this was The Undertaker in his first main event match at Survivor Series against the, at the time already, the legendary Hulk Hogan. Uh, At the time too, this was when uh, that late summer going into the early fall in which the Nature Boy, Ric Flair, the mainstay of the NWA slash WCW had made his first Survivor Series debut Having been on the, uh, co- ca- uh, being a captain of his team that would uh, eventually face, uh, Roddy Piper, Bret Hart, Virgil, and British Bulldog Davey Boy Smith, uh, Ric Flair had headed up his own ta- his own team, and uh, along with Ted DiBiase and uh, 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 his 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 partners, I can't remember actually their partners, but um, I'm drawing a blank here. But anyhow. Uh, that was the the first time that Ric Flair had been a part of the Survivor Series, and eventually, uh, what would culminate from this night in the main event in that 12 minutes and five seconds would be uh, was spawned a, a number of chain of events that would happen storyline wise and program wise, and real life wise as well. Uh, if You have heard the stories in more recent times over the last few months of The Undertaker making his rounds in media, doing rare appearances, rare interviews, in which he pulls back the curtain on the character of The Undertaker and some of the stories. He goes into detail in one particular famous story that he is now told uh, months back, in which he talks about um, the, I believe it was the ESPN interview he had done uh, where he, he talks about the um, the uh, sort of um, uh, tomfoolery that went on with Hulk Hogan uh, for this night at the Gravest Challenge and what would eventually uh, become one of the more legendary stories now being told in the last few months about The Undertaker's time in the company um, as playing The Undertaker character. Uh, you know, as Mark Calloway talks about Hulk Hogan um, you know, basically feigning injury that uh, Taker had hurt him during the uh, the eventual end of this match in which Taker drops Hogan on supposedly his head. But if you see the replay, if you see the tape, if you see the footage, you know, from years later, you would know that that was not the case. Even in the replay, you could see that Hulk was very well protected. Taker would very well protect everybody he ever gave the tombstone to. Eventually, they would ban and outlaw the uh, the Tombstone Power Driver, and Taker would then do other um, uh, other uh, moves, and then eventually revert back to the Tombstone, including when he retired Shawn Michaels at WrestleMania years ago. Hulk um, feigned injury. Taker knew that he uh, was in for um, was in for a bit of a show with Hogan and his um, <laughs> his. Um, is his tomfoolery we'll just call it that is tomfoolery and what he was saying was uh was really just a fake injury that hulk was doing um in order to sort of make taker look a little bit careless in that ring but vince mcmahon uh from what i understood saw right through it and realized that taker was one of the most snuggest and one of the most safest and one of the the best workers he would ultimately have in the business and in the business of the WWF slash WWE and later on, uh, overall, one of the best workers he would ever eventually have. And one of the safest. So, Taker, uh, I don't think there's anybody who could really legitimately claim that Taker ever hurt them in the ring. Uh, that I don't think Taker has hurt anybody in the ring from what I understand. But uh, having said that, uh, the match itself was, uh, the, the crowd was very, very raucous. Very behind Not just Hulk, because Detroit was a Hulkamania town and a wrestling town overall, but they were very much behind The Undertaker as well. I think people at this time wanted to see something new, see something fresh, and The Undertaker was it. Taker was... uh, considered a main eventer at that time he had already defeated jimmy snuka at that year's wrestlemania and his first wrestlemania appearance would then then kick off the uh the legendary wrestlemania streak of the undertaker uh Taker had already defeated a number of big stars. He had defeated Davey Boy Smith. He had defeated Jimmy Snuka. He had defeated Tito Santana. He had defeated all the legends at that time. They were all legends already at that moment. And here Taker, uh, including Kerry Von Erich, was another one. I remember watching that and Greg Valentine and so on and so forth. And The Ultimate Warrior. He had worked a program with The Warrior during that summer. you know, doing um, body bag matches and things of that nature. So Taker had built up quite a uh, string of victories in um, in storyline-wise and uh, quite a string of victories being on top of the card, uh, being a, a lower to high mid-carder. I would say he was a high mid-carder, uh, excuse me, high to close to main, main eventer, but he was a main eventer f- throughout the entire year leading up to this Uh, particular encounter with Hulk Hogan, his first encounter with Hulk. And Taker, I wouldn't say, I would take that back. He was not a mid Carter. He was a, um, he was on the, he was on the undercard, but he was very high at the top, if not main eventing. He was main eventing Madison Square Garden many times throughout that summer, throughout that first year against the Ultimate Warrior and against other uh, top talents that were already legendary talents at that time, as I said, Santana, uh, Valentine, Von Eric, and uh, Snuka, and um, Davey Boy, and so on and so forth. I believe he had a few matches with the Macho Man during that time when Savage was, uh, I think they were eventually... Uh, going to bring Savage back to the ring as a full-time active uh, in-ring star. Uh, Taker had been in there, I believe, with Roddy Piper um, during that first year. So Taker had definitely cut his teeth with some of the best of the business and some of the best of the WWF at that time. And here, during his match with Hulk, I remember the one big move in which there was a great reaction if you were watching it live on pay-per-view like i was at the time i was actually not watching it live i was listening to it live because i had the squiggly line you know scrambler um you know you had to order it and i did not have the actual pay-per-view i believe i had caught the last few seconds of it when it had i guess accidentally had come back on um after watching the countdown and then it went black and then you could then hear uh, through the squiggly lines, you could sort of catch what was happening here and there. This is how I used to watch and keep track of these pay-per-views because, you know, back then I came from nothing. You couldn't afford every pay-per-view, you couldn't afford anything. But this was the best way I could sort of write down the results by listening to the squiggly lines, as they call it. But it was the scrambled uh, scrambled screen version of the pay-per-view. Again, didn't have the money, didn't have it uh, at the time to to order the back pap- The the pay-per-view itself, so I would just listen to it and catch whatever little uh, visuals I could at the time. It it would damage your eyes, of course, but thankfully for me, with a number of these pay-per-views, it would come on at the last couple of minutes without, I guess, the provider really knowing. And the, the WWF really knowing, uh, or WCW even at that time, knowing that the pay-per-view had actually cut on uh, where you could actually see it and it was free for the last few minutes. And they didn't realize, I don't know, it was maybe some glitch or something, but I was lucky enough to catch the, the end, the tail end of Survivor Series and also... What would then be about five or six days later, this Tuesday in Texas, the rematch between Hulk Hogan and The Undertaker in which it would cut on and I would catch the last few minutes just the same as I did uh, the the previous week with this particular match that I'm throwing back. All of you to. The Undertaker, had in fact, uh, um, as I was saying a moment ago, to get back to my point here, He was doing the what would then later be called the old school move where he would twist you would do the arm ringer, grab the uh, his opponent by the hand, after doing the arm ringer, grab them, clutch his hand in their in his hand, and then clutch excuse me, clutch their hand in his hand and then walk the top ropes. You know, what we now know as the old school. Uh, maneuver where he would jump off the top and then club you in the back of the neck or the back of the head or, you know, uh, with the uh, the big fist or, or whatnot. So Taker, when he did that, you could hear during the live pay-per-view, and then I would eventually see the actual pay-per-view in its entirety. I would actually then own it later on on commercially bought videotape uh, where the crowd actually was cheering when he did this move on Hogan. Again, they started to sort of um, distort, as they did with the real world championship, the NWA, the big NWA world title belt when Flair had come into the business of the WWF leaving WCW at the time. They would distort the the championship eventually, and then Flair would walk around with a, a tag team title belt from the WWF. But... Now what they would do is, and they've done this many times, they would uh, they would audibly distort the the sound so it look and pump in uh, sound that sounds like you know takers being booed. But if you watched it again, or you, in my case, you listened to it in the last few minutes, you. Then here, if you hear some noise in the background, just try to distort that in your listening. Please and thank you. It's just noise in my studio. But anyhow, um, Taker actually was being cheered by the crowd in Detroit when he did the what we now know as the old school walk the tight rope uh, sort of maneuver and club down on, on Hogan and his back. And Hogan would sell it perfectly. But Taker was being cheered at that time. Again, people wanted to hear Taker. They wanted to see Taker. They wanted to feel Taker. They wanted him to be the champ. They wanted a new main eventer. And here we had the Undertaker who was being considered uh, the the zombie version of his character when he first started, where he basically no-sold everything. He was the walking zombie. He was the walking dead man. There was other moves throughout the, uh, the 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 match. Again, it was only a twelve minute match, but when Taker would do these sort of uh, you know, uh, um, catapult himself off the ring ropes and then come back with the big flying clothesline, people were cheering that. As he did the whole you know on the knee, you know, uh, and doing the salute to the urn and Paul Bearer holding it up, and almost like he was drawing his power. You know the move. You know you know the whole thing. People were cheering when they saw that too, when they, when that when, when that move had happened. So basically every big move that Taker hit on Hulk, the, the crowd was cheering. But again, if you watch like a replay at the time or later on, when they were trying to get Taker over as the ultimate evil bad guy or heel, they were pumping in and they, they were cutting out the actual audio and they were pumping in booze for Taker. I mean, it's stuff that, that's been going on forever with this company, ever since then, and probably even before that. Um, I'm sure, actually, yeah, if I remember, yeah, they were doing that back then. Look at some of the old WrestleMania tapes. But anyway, Taker hits all his big moves. The match ends, actually, in a what we would then later on at another Survivor Series event backstage. We would then hear the word and terms schmoz. It ends in, in a bit of a clusterfuck schmoz where Taker, through the help of Ric Flair, comes to ringside, slides a steel chair in the middle of the is, is by the I think closer to the end of the ring, slides the, the chair into the ring. Taker has Hulk up in the tombstone in which Hulk would then later claim that he was injured during this particular moment in time. Taker then drops Hulk onto the chair for the tombstone pile driver and the referee as you heard in the clip to start this show, start this, uh, excuse me, start this segment. You hear the referee counts one, two, three, the classic call on uh, from Gorilla Monsoon and Bobby Heenan. We hear that The Undertaker has defeated Hulk Hogan for the WWF World Heavyweight Championship in a very controversial fashion. Now, of course, we would then later know that there would be a rematch between both gentlemen in which Hulk would then, in another schmoz and clusterfuck, would then defeat The Undertaker for the WWF World Championship to then begin his very uh, infamous and very, very short WWF World Heavyweight Championship reign number four. Taker was only champ for about five or six days, this Tuesday in Texas, and uh, the rest was history. And then w- w- it would then lead to the greatest Royal Rumble of all time the following January in '92, where Ric Flair would then last 63 plus minutes, drawing number three, and would then win the vacated WWF Undisputed World Heavyweight Championship in a historic night in one of my favorite matches of all time, and one of my most incredible favorite performances of Ric Flair, showing the WWF that he wasn't just an NWA, WCW, and everywhere else guy. He was a WWF guy, and he could hang with the current stars at that time, which was a who's who, a legendary, legendary long laundry list of names that were in that Rumble, that 30-man Rumble. That's a... uh, Throwback match that I will eventually get to as the rumble is coming up soon and I probably I'm just giving it away now. I will uh, do a throwback segment uh, closer to time of the rumble this coming January Well, I will profile and cover and talk about the greatest rumble match of all time where Ric Flair becomes the WWF Undisputed World Heavyweight Champion, winning the vacated title. All because of this chain of events between Taker and Hogan and Flair's involvement. So that's it. That was your throwback match of the week. The Undertaker defeats Hulk Hogan to win his first of many WWF slash WWE World Heavyweight Championships and a historic night. The crowd went bonkers, actually, and went insane for The Undertaker becoming the World Heavyweight Champion, as you heard in the clip to start this segment. And that is it for me, ladies and gentlemen. Farewell to The Undertaker, or maybe not, who knows. But if you would like what you hear, and you would like to hear more, and you'd like to donate and contribute to the show to keep it, you know, free and fair, fairly free, <laughs> you can use our unique PayPal link, www.paypal.me slash T-F-E Navarro that's T-F-E Navarro N-A-V-A-R-R-O you can donate whatever you can to us through that unique link or you could use as you heard throughout the commercials and our commercial breaks throughout the show the uh, www.audibletrial.com slash T-F-E and you can uh, help us out, we get a little kickback and whether you keep the audible service from Amazon going for the 30 days after that, you pay the 14.95, either way you get to keep your free audio download book. And we still get a little kickback. You help us out using our unique URL, as I mentioned. And you can also join us on social media. You could join me on social media at TFE Navarro. Again, that's T-F-E-N-A-V-A-R-R-O on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn Instagram and uh, a partridge in a pear tree yeah or you can join my company at TFE Worldwide TFU Worldwide it's URLs.com slash TFE Worldwide uh, for everything online TFE related and you could also join us on Facebook Twitter and Instagram at TFE Worldwide And you can look up TFE, the Franchise Entertainment, on LinkedIn. And that's it. Thank you very much, everybody, for joining us. We'll be back here next week. It will be, uh, you know, another day, another dollar, another time for us to talk about professional wrestling. I'm sure there was going to be some fallout from the Survivor Series and Taker's uh, support. Uh, I, was, I suppose it is apparent farewell. Uh, I do believe he's done for now, but not done for good. Uh, I'm not trying to be in denial here, but I'm just stating a fact. Anyhow, that's it for me. I am your humble host and narrator, James Drake Navarro. Thanks once again for joining us. I hope you enjoyed the show, the review, the results of tonight's Survivor Series, and we will be strong all over our 65, 60 plus, 65 plus platforms, including our newest one, Podcast Index, which I had announced on my social media. And eventually, we have uh, another big platform that we're going to join, uh, or excuse me, that we have joined and that we have been accepted on. I will get to that at some point. I will make that announcement here on this show. TFU Radio Trinidad, TFU Radio Uncut and Uncensored are other shows under the TFU Radio Network banner. I will make those announcements throughout the next round of shows next Saturday. Um, And I will most likely put up that um, post at some point tonight Um, for you, the listener. You will check it out and it will be made more prominent, the announcement on this particular network and series of shows So thank you very much, and I bid you adieu for now. Have a good night, everybody. This is TFU Radio Wrestling, episode four, the night that we say farewell to The Undertaker. Good night, everybody. Bye for now.